This is the top dog, Jonah. And I'm here to tell you, if you listen to podcasts, you need to listen to the new podcast by Brian Hebner. Reffing it up. Make sure you're listening. This is Impact World Champion Moose. And make sure you're listening to Reffing It Up with Brian Hebner. What's going on, everybody? I'm Tom Hannafin. He's the drama king, Matthew Raywall. And I got a question for you. You like podcasts? Yeah, of course. Okay, I got a new one that you got to check out. It's called the Reffing It Up podcast, hosted by our buddy Brian Hefner. That's right. Takes you through all kinds of stories yesterday and today. Stars of all pro wrestling. It's a great, great listen. You got to check it out. Wherever you get your podcast, the Reffing It Up podcast, don't miss it. Howdy, folks. Double J here. That's right. That's T. That's double J, Jeff Jarrett. Tune in here to Reffin' It Up with my pals, RJ and Brian Hebner. It's really a great podcast. Tune in every Wednesday morning when it drops. Check them out on social media. Subscribe to the podcast. And, man, this episode is a good one. I listen to it every week. Stay tuned, guys. Reffin' It Up with RJ and Brian. Can't get enough wrestling talk? Well, check out Ringside Rant with top guys RJ and Justin, the kings of ranting. The new shows drop each Friday morning at 9 Eastern, and it'll take you back to the good old days of pro wrestling, but also the not-so-good days. Ringside Rant is available on all podcast platforms, as well as full press coverage, Wrestling with Johnners Network, and the Shining Wizards Network. You can also follow the show on Twitter at underscore ringside rant. It's ringside rant with RJ and Justin new shows drop Friday morning at nine Eastern. That's ringside rant with RJ and Justin, a couple of top guys doing top guy stuff. It's ringside rant with RJ and Justin new shows Friday mornings at nine Eastern. From WWE to TNA. By way of the NWA, it is time for Reffin' It Up with current Impact referee, Brian Hebner. A great episode is right around the corner, so we hope you are ready for the one, two, three... Welcome to episode three of Reffin' Up with Brian Hebner. I am the man with the magical voice, RJ. He is and forever will be the man in the stripes, Mr. Brian Hebner. Brian, what's up, man? Oh, not a lot, man. Enjoying a nice, pretty day here in Virginia. Last week uh, wasn't as pretty as it is today, so that's a good start. Well, send some of that my way because it's about 37. I went from everything from I saw three seasons today. I thought saw snow, sleet, and rain. So, and now I'm actually four. I'm getting sun now. So, you can have it. <laughs> I'm used to it, man. I, I've grown up to it in Buffalo, Christ, man. I, I'm used to it by now. You would think so, anyways. So, uh, yep. so last two episodes, man, been bangers. Heard a lot of good things about the first episode there uh, on, uh, on on staying. Um, we just released, uh, as we're recording now, we just released the undertaker episode, but if you're hearing this, that's from last week. So head over there, celebrate his induction into the WWE hall of fame. When listen to that show, a lot of great stories, man. And, uh, really ended on a good note there with uh, your little story about him as well. So, but with that being said, we're going to keep the ball rolling this week. A guy that uh, you're quite familiar with from your days in uh, in TNA and a little bit there in WWE with on on SmackDown uh, is Kurt Angle. Uh, first bursted into the scene, obviously with '96 there with the Olympics. Is that the first time you remember even really seeing him, or did you not see him until later on uh, in the company in WWE? Um, I I actually saw him um, and didn't know who he was. Um... Back in what would you say? What would you say? Two thousand fourteen? Has it been that long? Two thousand fourteen? That would have been. WrestleMania um, twenty one was two thousand five. So. Okay. Um, I couldn't remember anyway. Because he would have came into the he would have came into the company probably late ninety nine, I believe. Okay, so when I was coming in, okay, yeah. So, yeah, so I wasn't sure who he was um, at the time, and then um, I was introduced to him. Um, and I, it, he had his um, his wife with him at the time too, and who was Karen? 
at that time. Um, and then I actually did one of his first dark matches that we did on, um, like before Sunday night heat would start. Mm -hmm. So I did one of those with him and, uh, that was pretty interesting. And I didn't, you know, when you're doing dark matches for different, you know, guys that are, you know, supposedly up and coming, you don't really know what they're going to be. You know what I mean? So I just, you know, know I did that. And that was pretty cool. Now that I look back and go, wow, I did his first match or one of his first matches anyway, that I could tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he bursted on the scene in 99 there first made his appearance in pro at a pro wrestling event in 96. So he didn't sign with a company until 99. Uh, but you go back and look at his just rapid uh, comprehension with the company, with the business going from amateur to, um, to W to, to professional wrestling. I don't think we've right. ever seen that since outside. Well, outside of Brock Lesnar and yeah. done it so well and his flourish for so long. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the most amazing part of that story for Kurt Angle is how he evolved from a, 100% shoot wrestler mm -hmm. to become an entertaining referee in, you know, in the sports entertainment world, not I'm sorry, wrestler, <laughs> golly. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, it's just, it's amazing the turnaround and how quickly he was able to do that um, become such a big star too, as well, you know, so going from his world to our world and then doing it as fast as he did transitioning to that, to me is just the most amazing thing because I've seen people that have come from other walks of life and gotten to this business and, and got in our world and just, just couldn't get, it, you know what I mean? And then mm -hmm. what they, what they get was just very little. So I, I really take my hat off to him about that. I mean, it's, he just worked so hard and Kurt was just such a talented athlete. I mean, just such an athlete, you know, and that's what helped him a lot because he was a real legit badass athlete. Yeah. Well, two time all American D one wrestling champion from Clarion in, in Pennsylvania just to name a few of those accolades that he's gotten time and time again, obviously we talked about the gold medal with a broken freaking neck as he always, that's his tagline. Now. I don't know if he's patting that. Hopefully he's trademarked that by now. Uh, but yeah, it's just un unreal because that's what's kind of starting the crossover because you see a lot of, a lot of kids growing up at that time, looking at them say, Hey, Christian, I, I want to do that. Brock Lesnar was one of those guys you saw, obviously we, you saw him. He'll be topic of a show later on, but did, uh, did your dad really have any, any views into it as well? Or was it just kind of like, was he, cause he was more of the main event guy there, right? Uh, my dad. Yes. Yeah. He was the main event referee there. Yeah. So he did, he did actually didn't really work a lot with uh, Kurt. Yeah. In his WWE uh, days until finally, you know, he got to that to that level where, he, you know, my dad would referee him. So there was many, many years that went by before he was the Kurt Angle, you know what I mean, sure. that, that we all know today. Um, and then obviously he worked more with them um, in TNA when, when, when Kurt was there as well. Sure. Now, did you, were you surprised on how well he adjusted coming in to – the WWE going down to developmental with Dr. Tom and, uh, and Dory Funk Jr. And then eventually making his debut in 2000. Were you just so surprised on how well he did with that? Or was, I it, was. Just one of the, or was it just one of those things where, Hey, he's kind of that, you know, freak freakish athlete kind of thing. Well, I mean, I had heard so much about him coming in. Um, I know that uh, uh, JR uh, was just really, really high about signing this guy. Um, and I just remember hearing, you know, just snippets from people like back and forth. And just like I said, I, he, he was anticipated, I think, by a lot of people. Um, and they were very excited about what he could do and bring to the table. But obviously this was before he did his training and all that stuff. This was just based upon his name in the wrestling world, the, 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 the college wrestling world. Um, so I don't think anybody was for sure, for sure, like what, what type of wrestler he would become ultimately. Uh, but like I said, it was a lot of people excited about him. I heard a lot about him. And then once he did come over to the WWE or WWF at that time, actually, um, he, it was just amazing. Like that somebody could say, Oh, he was just a college wrestler, you know, a couple of years back. And then you look at him now getting to the ring. I don't remember really, I really don't remember seeing a lot of green in that guy. Um, now, obviously he, he wasn't, he was probably all 
polished up when I got to see him, but, but still, you still see traces of it. And a lot of guys that make their way from, you know, the, the training grounds when they come up and uh, I just did not see much at all. I just saw a polished wrestler. And at first when I saw him too, um, I, I thought he was very plain. So in other words, I thought that the, the, the move sets that he had were very plain, but then once he got to be able to do other things, it just became just a wrestling phenomenon for him. I mean, it was just unreal. Yeah, because I don't think we'll ever see, and I hope I'm wrong. I really do because wrestling's so great right now. Is the year 2000 he had just to run it down real quick? He in February he got his first major push in 2000. He held the European and IC title simultaneously. He was a Euro Continental champion that he would he would patent that as. Four months later, he'd win King of the Ring. Then. Thereafter, beginning pursuing the WWF championship, and then he won that. After that, on the uh, excuse me, later, later that year. So, pretty much, he's the tenth Triple Crown champion. That's amazing. And uh, f- the fifth Grand Slam champion. So you don't see that now. Yeah. And it's just, it goes to show you too. It's like man, how how good he was all up until 2006. And obviously he's his, a lot of his injuries really played into it too. Is that something that you, you, you close to him, obviously with SmackDown, he was primarily, primarily on SmackDown. Did you yeah. see a lot of that stuff, whether it was backstage or whether it was in the ring where he's starting to, Oh shit. He's really starting to slow down towards like the mid two thousands to the end towards the end of uh, his run there in 2006? Well, no, I, I, oh, so I never saw him slow down, put it that way. Kurt Angle, there is no slowdown. Um, I don't think that word is even in his, his book of a dictionary or anything. I mean, slow down is just not a word you'd hear Kurt say, in my opinion. Um, but what I will say is I know that he was really, really, really at one point, and I've talked to him about this, was really just really overworked in WWE. Um, I mean, being used on everything. I mean, the time off that guy got was almost none. He was doing um, personal appearances, TVs, house shows, the whole nine yards, which a lot of guys do now. But the schedule just wasn't the same as it used to be. And people don't understand that. Um, so he, I believe he just got run down. And then at some point, I know that he had a couple injuries that happened to him and he never had time to heal them. Um, and that's when some not so good stuff happened to him in his career, as far as, you know, maybe taking some things to help him get through the pain that he was going through because he could not get time off. And I know for a fact he asked for time off um, and they just wouldn't give it to him because of the fact that he was so over really, and he was really the face of the company for a while. So that was something that, you know, he couldn't control in my opinion. I mean, so that, that leaves a different thing. You know what I mean? So, hmm really tough to watch a guy just bang up all the time and limp around a little bit. And and I did see that, but as far as his in-ring performance, it never showed that guy is a machine. Anybody that knows Kurt Angle that's worked with Kurt Angle that knows him to a degree that I know, or even a little lesser, it doesn't make, make any difference. That guy is an absolute 100% just machine. He just, when it, I have literally, literally seen him barely be able to get up in the back locker room and actually wonder and ask, Kurt, you'll be okay. Yeah, 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 I'll be all right. It's just uh, whatever it may be is certain, you know, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, he walks through that curtain and he looks like the same guy you saw in 2000 when he made his debut. It's just unbelievable, the passion and, and what he can do when those lights cut on. Unmatched, um, it's just <laughs> hard to explain how, the, what the, when I say machine, what I really, really mean. Yeah, because he looking at his stuff here in 2000, looking at um... – Eddie Guerrero stuff too. It's one of those things that it just seemed to me anyways, on the obviously the outside looking in is they go through that curtain, they go, they hit the lights and boom, it's just like a switch turns and it doesn't matter. They left everything, the bad stuff back behind them behind the curtain and they get out there and it, they're on cloud nine kind of thing. Yep. Yep. I mean, you know, I, I'll, I'll use my little scenario, which is nothing, but I kind of, so you can kind of relate. So like, you know, three, four days on the road, you're finally at your last show. For some reason, that's when it all settles in. Um, 
so like in my teenage days, I'll use that as an example because that that's the way it worked there where you would do two to three days of TV tapings, pay-per-views, and then you go and turn around and literally go home, unpack, repack, pack your bag, and then go on a four-day house show loop. By that fourth day on that house show loop, <coughs> excuse me, um, that's when it all settles in. And it's just like, wow, you're, you're just like a, a walking zombie, which is what I would say and label it as. But then when it came to showtime, it was like that tiredness just goes away. It's like it's never was there. And then you get in the ring and you perform and do what you got to do as, as, as doing what I do. So my point bringing that up is because could you imagine taking over a four, five, six, seven, seven day span with one day in between all that, taking the bumps, the slams, off the top ropes, going through a table. Could you imagine the body, what it's thinking, going through for just that one little stretch right there, not counting all the ones that come after it and before it. It's just amazing that what these guys put their bodies through. Um, and that's why I'll never tell anybody I'm a wrestler. I, no, no, I'm not a wrestler. I'm, I'm far from it. I respect everything they do. And when you see people like Kurt Angle that, that, that do this thing over and over and over again, and then can barely get up off the floor. And then all of a sudden they're in that ring electrifying the crowd and doing what they do at, at a high level. It's, it's, it's truly, truly, it's amazing. It's an art and a gift, man, that some guys get, some guys don't. And um, he was one of the ones that definitely got it. It definitely got it. Yeah. Like you said, there's no, there's nobody out there then now, or even forever that would be able to match his intensity. And I think that's something that he brought over from his amateur days because you were constantly go, 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 go when you're obviously your amateur wrestling. So, but 2006, he leaves WWE heads over and joins TNA. Uh, obviously now known impact as well, obviously. Uh, and he became, um, uh, one of the faces of, of the company for better use of terms, a record time, six time TNA world heavyweight champion and the second crown or in the second triple crown winner in TNA history. So it goes to show you where his reputation really took him over here to TNA too. where you saw a lot of him too. Did you, yeah. was there anything that, that you knew that you kind of passed along to, you know, the higher ups saying, Hey, I worked with him here. Let's try this. Let's try that. Or something like that. Well, I just know that um, he got there before he got to TNA before I did. I was actually still in the process of getting there and I'll never forget when um, I saw him show up on their TV. Um, I was just, man, I was, I was so excited. I could not believe that it was really truly happening for TNA at the time. And I was just so jacked, man. Um, plus knowing I was going there, um, he had caught word that I was coming as well. And I can tell you, man, as excited as I was to have him, like be there because I was going there. He was just as excited to have me come into TNA as well um, because we had worked so much together in, in WWE. So he knew what he was getting. And, and, you know, I knew what I was getting as well. But what I did see him on that TV on TNA uh, impact, it was that to me was just like, I was like, man, you know what? This, this is the, the next phase for their, their rise. This is the next phase. This is it. I mean, cause he was still a gigantic star. I mean, you know, not that he's not now, but you know what I'm saying? Like he still had that rub, that big star rub. So it wasn't like he was just, you know, a flaked out old wrestler that came from WWE and just jumped into TNA. This is, this was a guy that was a legit still at the top of his game. And it was just so exciting to me. And um, I, like I said, I, he was just as excited to have me coming in too. And that's what made it awesome and special for me. Yeah, and I'll never forget his debut there with with uh, Samoa Joe. Man, he goes in yeah. there and just just the awe and the crowd knowing who he is, and I think that played a lot into it too. And goes in the ring, looks at Joe, look at the the uh, big ten pounds of gold there, headbutts him, busts him open the hard way. Yep, blood everywhere, and, blood, everywhere. and and off and off we go. And yeah. I think that do you think Samoa Joe, especially in TNA? A lot of people will say, okay, maybe it was Jeff Jarrett or this person or that person who's best rivalry in TNA. That's Samoa Joe rivalry that they had, man. There, that was shit, man. That was just off the hook. 
that was that was the best rivalry he had. Seriously, like yeah. for just for a wrestling match, a wrestling program. That was that was it. Really, truly was. There were other ones he did, you know, like the one he did with Jeff. But the problem with Jeff and him, and it's not problem, but the the reason why I would say as good as Joe and him is because that had a backstory. Uh, that had a backstory to it. So th- that was different. This had no backstory. This was Kirk coming in and saying, I'm going to whoop your ass. I'm going to take that title that's in your hand. I know you're the biggest and baddest bitch around here, but guess what? I'm Kirk freaking ankle and I'm coming in here and I'm going to bust that ass up, you know? And that's what that was about. That was just a raw, no story. Just the story is this. I'm Kurt Angle. I'm here. I'm coming to take that. And that's what made that. Exciting. Now I tried to go back and do my little bit of research. Did you ever have the opportunity to do one of their matches? I did. I did. Uh, it was later in their program. Um, my dad actually did their, their inaugural, sure. you know, program. So, but no, I did get to work with them both together too. So that was yeah. awesome. Well, so you said that, that period between WWE and TNA, what was that time frame there? Cause I can't remember. Cause you said well, about 2006 or seven, you were still there with WWE. Did you not, was it like about 2008 you came in to TNA? I think it was 2009. Nine. Okay. I am so terrible with dates and I know you've already figured that out, RJ. Um, <laughs> That's why I'm here. That's why I'm trying to figure out. I'm like, so between the two of us, I'm sure we'd be, probably be able to figure it out. Uh, yeah. Oh, 2008. 2008. Okay. All right. So sorry about that. Um, but that's one of my very bad weaknesses that I'm hoping RJ can help me out with from episode <laughs> to episode. It's, it's a note. It's a, it's a notes, man. I got everything in here. I got se- everything separated. It's filed. And I'm like, okay, you have WWE here, TNA here, impact here, NWA here. Right, right, right. Bing, bing, boom. Yeah. Well, thank out. God. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, just one of those things where the character and the man, Kurt Angle, Sometimes it, they butted heads, man. You know what I mean? And I think one of those sneaky good things in TNA that he did was the main event mafia. Yeah, it was awesome. And awesome. it's just one of those legendary factions that, man, if you don't know who they are, go over and Google them because you, it's just unbelievable. And, and a lot of people have always said that, oh, they're trying to be the horseman. Well, no, no, that's not the horseman. <laughs> No, they weren't trying to be the horsemen. They weren't trying to be anything but what they were. Um, that was just – that was a once-in-a-lifetimer kind of thing, man. I mean, you put that that together, that group, it was just uh, – man, I don't know how anybody can relate to the horsemen, really. I mean, they were nothing like it, nothing. Um, the main event mafia was – I don't even know how to describe it, RJ. I mean, like, it was like four badasses that were just um, – with their own characters and, and they they had shown their power that they could be. Um, I don't know. It, it wasn't the horseman though. I mean, I, no, that, it definitely, no, it definitely wasn't. No way. Cause I even, I've been trying to th- think of the analogy, try to compare them to somebody. They, I may get heat for this, but they were the good fellas, like the movie of professional wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I could see that. Um, they kind of, kind of, man, this is a, this is like a very off in my way of saying comparative way, but anyway, kind of like, um, the shield in a way, Sure. but, but not, I mean, it's just, they, they were just different. I mean, that, that, the main event mafia was different. It was very different. So for anybody to say it was the horseman or even what I just said, the shield, I mean, no, it wasn't, it was none of those, but it was like a combination of it all. Um, but I, I don't see any of the horsemen though. So one last comment I want to get from you too, before we go to our uh, second count of the evening, which will break down a classic match that you were involved with, with him. But lastly, he spent more time in TNA slash impact later on than WWE. Do you think he's going to be known more for his work in WWE or with TNA slash impact or just in general? Um, that's a tough question because, you know, WWE is a bigger machine, you know, they're, they're the machine. And most people that watched wrestling through the time he was there in WWE, when he was at his highest, most fans are going to probably remember that. But what's a shame is that 
I think some of his better work came from TNA. I really do. Uh, but he had some, he, it's, it's hard to say that he didn't have a hell of a career in WWE either, because I mean, he had some, some, some classics. I remember that Christian, uh, I'm sorry, Edge Probo, uh, program he did with, with Kurt. Mm -hmm. That was unbelievable. I mean, that hair versus hair cage match, but nobody's ever seen that. Go back and watch that thing. Mm -hmm. um, that was unbelievable. Another thing I'm blessed to have been part of. Um, it was just, he had so many good programs. So ultimately to answer your question, I think that they're going to say, they remember him from WWE more so than TNA. Now, Kurt backstage at TNA, Kurt backstage at WWE, one of the same, or was it two like two totally different guys that you saw? Same guy, yeah. same guy. Um, Kurt's a leader, but he's a quiet leader. He's not one of these uh, that's going to make a point about anything. He's going to help guys, but no, he he was same guy, same guy in both promotions. All right, so it's now time for our second count of this episode on Kurt Angle, where we're going to break down one of his classic matches that you had the honor, I'm sure, of, of being the referee for, was his match with Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 21, April 3rd, 2005, Staples Center. Another Staples Center. Maybe that's going to be your arena now, Brian, the uh Staples Center. <laughs> So to over 20,000 fans are in attendance, man. So that's, how do you, how did you, I should say, get ready for an event like a WrestleMania here before 20,000? Was that just like awestruck? We walked out, it's like, holy shit, what is this going on? I was, uh, I'll just say this, that I was more nervous about that match than I think I've ever remember being nervous for any other match, if that, if that sounds at all possible. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of key things going against me. Um, in this, and it was when they were cross branding, of course, between SmackDown and Raw. Well, this was not two SmackDown guys. This was a Raw versus a SmackDown. So it was Shawn Michaels who I had very little. At, uh, I mean, I don't really remember if I, that, that was my first match with him. I believe it was actually, and that's what made it even worse because I know that he was a Kyoto guy. Uh, Shawn really liked Kyoto and his style and, and all that kind of thing, and that's fine. Um, but. It comes down to how do you pick the referee? Because I would have to say at that point in time that Sean was probably a little bit bigger of a star. I don't know that to be factual, but it was tough. You know what I mean? It was a, a, a rough little go because if you've heard the last podcast, I explained some things about Kyoto on as well. And, and once again, just so we don't know, in case you missed the episode, there's no problems, no heat with me and him. We're good to go, but we did have some issues, but, they got solved and years go by and we all figured it out. But anyway, so going into this, I knew Sean was not happy that I was the referee and not Kyoto. I know that for a fact. Like you said, just because he had his own, like he had his own guy, like I'm sure like your dad was a certain amount of guys, like a Hogan guy or a whatever kind of face. It was just like one of those things. Well, it was a matter of this. So this was a huge, huge match for both of them. Um, this was a big, big, big time match for both these guys for a lot of different reasons. Um, and I just think that I think Sean felt like he was the bigger star and deserved to have his referee handpicked. But what he didn't understand in my remembrance of this, this was more billed as a SmackDown match as opposed to a Raw match. Now, he was a cross-promoted, but it was more centered for a SmackDown featured match on that WrestleMania card that night. So I think, you know, and obviously after that, Kurt says, oh, hands down, Hebrews and this, and that's the way it's going to be. So that, 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 was, that was how I think that worked out that way. Because otherwise, I think Sean would have probably had the power to say, you know what, no, I want Kyoto. And that could have that very well happened. So I, I, I just remember it being more of a featured SmackDown match for our show for that WrestleMania night. Yeah, because this build, man, if I've, I've gone back to watch this match probably about two or three times in the last probably two weeks. And it just, it's one of those matches that live, live up to all the hype that it had because this build was from Royal Rumble where each other, they eliminate each other. Then they, you know, Kurt busted them open, whole ankle lock thing. And Man, it's just, did you, going into it, obviously, because you knew, when was the last, when, when did you know you were going to do the match, I should say, excuse me? Uh, it's, it's the way they set up WrestleMania then, I don't know what they do now. Um, you, 
Well, I, anyway, I, I got my assignments a week before I had to show up a week before WrestleMania. So in other words, I had a week to sit at home to get ready to come to WrestleMania that week. Does that make sense? So, yeah, yeah. so I'm done with TVs, the last bit of TVs that built up for our last go home show. And I go home, mm-hmm. unpack, get my thoughts together and know then what I have. Then I come in a week before WrestleMania, the actual show, and I'm there all week. And they go to uh, what we call the green room. And that's where we would do, you know, have our schedule set for matches. And each match would have a certain amount of time in the day to go to the green room, which was where a wrestling ring was set up and whatnot. And we would go there and and, and go over our stuff for WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah because the, this, this this package before that this match, man, is just unreal. It's, you don't see those a lot now because and, – and you knew it was a big-time match because they had this big-time promo package – where Kurt's being quoted saying that in 96, when I was winning my gold medal, anything everybody was talking about was Shawn Michaels in the WWE winning this. And he's the best professional wrestler. I'm like, Oh shit. Okay. You kind of, it's gotta be some sort of truth to that. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll just say, you know, I, I don't think these two guys loved each other. That's for sure. Um, I think there was a little, little pullback on Sean's end that, Kurt had gotten so good so fast um, and was just a solid worker. And I think there might've been a little animosity there. Um, I know they didn't love each other. I can tell you that. And I could tell by that, by, you know, just the way the days went when we were leading up to WrestleMania, a um, little bit of pushback on certain things that somebody wanted to do or whatever. So that was a little interesting as well. You know, so I don't think they loved each other. I don't think they hated each other, but I don't think they could, I think they could both live without one another easily. Mm-hmm. Now, being that it's WrestleMania, are they, like you said, they get all the go-homes or tape, their home, whatever. It's the week of WrestleMania. Are they, are you guys, the three or the two of them or whatever, are they sitting down saying, hey, this is how I want to do it? Or are they just basically waiting to the day of to sit back and catering or something saying, hey, this is what, what we should do? Oh, no, 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 no. These guys were there every day leading up to WrestleMania. Now, they weren't taking bumps, per se. Mm-hmm. But it was me, him. Well, let me use names. Sorry. It was me, Kurt, Sean, and Pat Patterson. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's who us four would get together at a certain time each day. And of course we would, we would go over things, you know, but nothing crazy, but we would talk about things and it's crazy how all this works out it's, it, to, to, to actually see the finished product. It's actually amazing. Um, but to, to work all week, to build to this match for them to have all their stuff together and what they're going to do, the reversals and then this and that and da, 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 da. And then having Pat who has the most brilliant mind of wrestling, throw his stuff in and just, it was just unbelievable. And like I said, no one has any idea what's put into this thing um, for this WrestleMania week to lead into that, that, that finally that big match that's on stage. And then here we are, you know, it's just, it, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work mm-hmm. and you got to, got to have your shit together and you got to have your, you know, your thank you cap on and be ready to go either way. You know what I mean? And just, just know exactly what you're doing. So that was the, that was the week that led up. Yeah. Because like you said, whether they liked each other, whether they didn't like each other, that's, that, that's moot at this point, because you look at their in ring during this match, at least, and they just complement each other so well. Well, Kurt could have a ma- match with anybody. Sean could have a match with anybody. It was always a, only a matter of time before they came together, right? Yeah, I mean, this was booked. This was booked. They have nothing to do with it. It was booked. Mm-hmm. So, and once again, I don't want somebody to think that I'm saying that they didn't like each other. I don't know that they didn't like each other. I just knew that they didn't care not too much for each other. In other words, they were they would get along and do their thing, but they weren't buddies. They weren't riding together. Mm-hmm having a beer, they weren't, you know, you know, having dinner together, none of that stuff. Um, and like I said, you know, I could sense things and I'm pretty good at it. And I can just tell you, like I said, I don't I think they loved each other. Um, I think they could live without each other, but mm-hmm. I think that they were both professionals, both businessmen. And when we were in that, that green room, they were, they were nothing but business. It was, it was, you know, it was just surreal how, how the, the four of us were able to collaborate this, huge night you know to put and give everybody what they expected because i can tell you right now both those guys knew this both those guys wanted to say we will have the best match on this wrestlemania card and hopefully in the history of professional wrestling that's what they were aiming for and i don't think they didn't hit the bullseye 
to be honest with you. Yeah, and I think this was even Kurt's one of Kurt's best matches, and he had a lot of great matches through his whole career, just not here in WWE. Especially, we can bring it up the TNA thing. We we talked about him and Samoa Joe, him and Jeff Jarrett, so on and so forth. But yep, I don't know how to say that. This that I really don't know how anybody could say that that wasn't the best match that he's ever right. done. Um, there's really, like you said, there's so many good ones. I mean, there's so many good ones and ones that we probably even that have been so good that we've forgotten about that we probably could bring up. But I can just tell you, this one here was special for both of those guys. They, they laid it all out there. Um, I worked my ass off. Um, it was just really, really something to behold. And if you have not watched it, you need to do yourself justice and go back and watch the match in its entirety. The package, the entrances, the ending, the finish, I mean, from bell to bell, like to just watch all of it. It's its something to behold. Yeah, nonstop. Now, you mentioned obviously being nervous going into this being a big-time match. Were you ever timid, I don't, intimidated to a certain extent of saying, oh, crap, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing a match with Sean and Kurt or person A, person B kind of thing. Were you ever intimidated to that point where it's like, okay, what am I, you know, yeah, you kind of had to take it back and breathe and – Make sure everything goes right. Well, the the thing that was very fortunate for me is that Kurt was in the match. Mm -hmm. So I felt very confident about that. Like I said, I, I really believe this was the first time I ever worked with Sean. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said, I could just sense he wasn't the happiest guy that I was the referee. Um, and I think ultimately that changed at the end of it. And I think he was very blessed that I was, you know what I mean? Because I think I proved a point to him as well that, you know, that I could do what anybody else can do, if not better, you know what I mean? So it was uh, more nerve nervous about that part about working with Sean and actually being good enough for Sean was what was in my mind. Um, Cause I mean, you know, it's Shawn Michaels. I mean, come on, it's Shawn Michaels um, and Kurt Angle at WrestleMania. So I, I just wanted to hold up my end that Kurt knew I could do. And I wanted to do it even bigger for Sean just to show him because I didn't want to let him down. I wanted to be as big as they wanted this match to be. I did not want to be that guy that won that, took the match down at, at all at any point or any level of it. I wanted to be up as much as I could and be the man that he wanted or thought he wanted in there. So I, I, that's what made me nervous. I was just scared of not being able to make him happy. If that makes any sense at all too. No, no, no. It makes a lot of sense. So there's a couple spots here. I want to get your thoughts on uh, real quick. Um, the table spot, uh, the, uh, the announcing table where he does a springboard off the top rope all the way onto Kurt on the outside. Yeah. Was that something that was the table was supposed to break or was that, did it go off as planned? Because that looked like it was a little stiff. Well, that's something they didn't go over. Okay. <laughs> Obviously yeah. you do that, but one time, yeah. um, I, you know, my, my honest opinion is that it was supposed to break. Absolutely. Um, that's the reason for that spot. I think it worked fine the way it did, but yes, you're right. By it not breaking, it became something that could have been a much easier in your body mm -hmm. to something that was very, very stiff. And we had to actually buy a little time um, for, for Kurt there because uh, that was a stiff bump. I mean, it really was. I mean, if the table had broken, obviously it would have been a little bit easier of a fall. So that's the good thing about a table breaking. Mm -hmm. But no, this one did not break. I do think it was supposed to break, and I think that's why it looked as vicious as it did. Yeah, because I saw that. I'm like, oh, that's you get the that you kind of get your wind knocked out of you on that one. Yes, exactly. Uh, so you're starting to see a lot of the, you know the crowd is cheering for both Kurt and Sean, and it's just it it goes back to the day. It's like you they just enjoy a wrestling match like this in general, and it's just unreal to see at that time. Was it as loud for you in the ring? Was it as it was for me watching it? Well, I don't. Do you remember? I don't remember. Um, yeah. I block all that out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yep. The only thing that I hear is I hear my guys I'm working with. I hear their entrances. So it all starts with, I hear everything when I get in the ring and then uh, I hear the crowd and all that stuff. I hear their pops when their entrances come. But then when the bell rings, I kind of like, I just don't really hear anything. I don't. Um, now if there's a pause or something like that, where we can all like a stare down or something like that. Yeah. I can hear that. You know what I mean? But, I do remember the back and forth. I do remember what you're saying. Um, I just don't remember how, I don't remember how loud it was. I think it was really, really, really loud. <laughs> I think mm -hmm. I just don't really recall because I just don't right. keep it in because I'm so busy and scared and nervous. I get that. 
So a, a couple of individuals actually DM me on Twitter and asked, wanted me to ask this, not, not in the questions because he, they, I told him I was going to bring it up anyways. And the, and you know, I, you may know as well, but when can we see the frosted tips come back? Oh, that's funny. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Um, our knockouts, man, really are like driving me insane. Want me to do it. Um, but I'll have to say, I would, I would actually do it, you know, just out of just why not? Who cares? Who gives a shit? Maybe, you know, great for my, for me, who knows? Maybe pick up some women or something. I don't know. But, uh, but uh, as I've gotten older, I, I can't dye my hair anymore. Uh, I'm allergic to the, okay. so I probably used so much of it when I was younger that my scalp said it, it, it had to, it had to kick out and it said, you're, you're no longer doing this. So I guess with tips, I probably could do tips because I guess you got to pull it through a cap. So I don't know. But no, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, I don't know if I'll bring this back. Uh, I would like to. <laughs> uh, uh, the knockouts are pushing me for it to do it. So I don't know. We'll see. That's a great question, buddy. Uh, one day, maybe I will. Who knows? There you go. There you go. Well, no, no, unfortunately, I can't do the same. So maybe I'll I'll, I'll do the beard. I'll, I'll do the uh, Hollywood Hogan. I'll do the, the bleach mustache and then the beard on the other side. But the iconic picture that I posted a lot online, if you want to follow us at reffing it up on Twitter, is that iconic um, picture of Kurt with Sean in the ankle lock. You're right there as well, asking him if Sean gives up. Was that one of those spots that it was we did the camera guy just lucked out, or was it just one of those things where they're just selling their asses off? No, that was a, that was a very critical part. Uh, point in the match um this is where uh he was this is like the third time i think he had put that ankle lock on and Mm -hmm. it looked like it was it and it it was supposed to be a moment where sean looked like he was going to get the rope and kurt would pull him back and then finally he went to make that last move or he was going to go out and it was just him selling his ass off kurt really wrenching it and then me making sure and looking to see if he was actually going to get to that rope or not. So it was me visualizing down that line of the rope to see if his hand would actually hit it. So no, it's a, it was a, it was a really good shot. Um, it wasn't planned obviously, but it was a big, huge spot in that match that that camera guy got. Um, I don't know who it was. It'd be great to know. So tell him, thank you. Mm-hmm. So uh, obviously a lot of people have, come to me i'm sure people like people come to you about all these great stories that you've had with sting and an undertaker any great kurt angle stories that come to your mind from like the tna days or the wwe days um well first of all i want to say that um kurt's a really really good friend of mine and um i respect the hell out of him and his family i know all of his kids his wife and uh giovanna and uh he's just just a true friend that I have in this sport. And they're, they're hard to have because everybody's on the go. Um, but he is a true friend. I, I love and respect him with, with everything in my heart. Um, but the stories I'll tell you is that, that make me feel so good. He's got so much confidence in me and has made me the referee I am today. And I can't do anything except just thank him more than what I can. I mean, I just can't. It's, it's like I can't do enough to thank him. Uh, for not only just being my friend, but for showing me and giving me the power to just, there's, there's the reins. I'm taking them off you. I don't care. You're Brian Hebner. I love you to death. And I know you're going to do the right thing. And we're going to have a hell of a match. And you're going to kill it. You're going to help me. You're going to help that opponent. He had that. In me. And, um, and, and it's just, I'm just so grateful for that because I, 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 I don't know. It's just, it's something that I'll always talk about in my career when it's over. Uh, and it was it was him that led me to be what I am now. Um, so, Kurt, if you're listening, I just want to say thank you and I love you, buddy. And um, I hope y'all all respect that because it's 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 true from the heart. And this is a shoot. Yeah, because he's uh, and those uh, messages I sent over to you too about him uh, saying that you're one of the best referees that he's worked with uh, on his show on, on the Kurt Angle podcast. Uh, and it's just like, man, it's watching him live. I've, I've seen him numerous times when I was out in Buffalo and it's just awestruck just to watch him work. You know, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's like seeing, I don't even know how to compare it. 
it, it's like seeing like an like an architect at work and it's just right. like bing bing boom it's so crisp it's so good and it's like oh crap i can't I, there's nobody else that does it better or has done it better no no doubt about it no doubt about it all right so let's send it up to uh our, our good buddy i should say uh rich paladino for some listeners questions it's listener questions all right brian we got a few listener questions we're trying to get them all in if we don't we apologize we'll get to them eventually but our first question comes from Brian Haremza. He says, in WrestleMania 20, the one, WrestleMania 21 match, there's a spot where it looks like Kurt wasn't going to get his shoulder up in time, and you look uh, like you stop your count. Did you stop the count yourself, or did Kurt just have uh, not have time to the timing down? Excuse me. Uh, no, me and Kurt uh, have a cadence. There's a thing that we do where he will actually kick after I'm almost – Sometimes I hit, I'll swipe and my hand will swipe, you know, swipe through and hit the canvas. Um, it's a thing that me and him did. It's, 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 it was meant to be. He wasn't late. I wasn't stopping. It wasn't about that. It was about us really, really, really selling a false, false finish. Like, in other words, we, we want them to think, try to figure out if this was what this guy's asking about. Like, they, this, that's what we want. And that's what we got out of that. And that's, so that was done purposely. Is that something you took over to TNA when you worked with him over there too? Yes, we did that there as well, all the time. But it only happens, though, when it's a big, big false. So in other words, I'm trying to explain to listeners, I know you know what a false is, but it's a false finish, meaning we want you guys to think that that's the end of the match. And in order for us to do that, if we did it every time, you would think everything was over. So (laughs) what we do is we wait for that big move that a guy has, and it's usually their finish, and they may hit it. And um, obviously we want you to buy that that's the finish. So that's how me and Kurt came up with that. Um, that last second, almost me being confused, uh, swipe through. And that's, that's, that's by design. All right. No, that makes sense. Um, next question comes from Mr. Brad Stanton. He says, uh, Kurt is known for wrestling injured throughout his career. Was there ever a time that Kurt was so injured that you tried to get him and his opponent to end the match early? Or did you just basically, did it just go? No, I can't, I can't make Kurt in early. Um, I can't make him in early at all. Uh, (laughs) I wouldn't even try. Um, He, I've seen him injured. Yes. And I wanted to end it. I'll tell you that. I mean, because I knew he was in pain, but I would never do that. And I would never, volunteer to do that so no i would not and i've never seen it cut short kurt was going to give you the fans everything every ounce of energy every bit of his all of his stuff he was going to give it all to you and he was going to do it regardless of whether he was hurt or not all right devin dowling asked is kurt angle on your mount rushmore of professional wrestlers 100 absolutely yes yeah, I'd say without question on that. It's just there's like like we said earlier, there's he doesn't there's so many different levels of professional wrestlers in my opinion. And you have to check the box on each and every one of them. Kurt does that so well. And he does it so well for so long too. For as much yep. as he's been through inside outside of the ring, injuries, what have you. He's done it. And he has, you know, obviously he has a lot to hang his hat on now. And he always, I'm looking forward to you know, what's next for him, whether it be behind the scenes, whether it be through his show, just telling those stories because there's only stories that he knows that he could tell through his, through his show. And it's just, it's just unreal. And I can't wait for, uh, wait for that. But yeah, I definitely on the Mount Rushmore for sure. Yeah. So before we get to talking about next week, Brian, what do you think Kurt Angle's legacy will be going forward? We're in 2022. Obviously, we well spoke for between where he ended his career until now. Going forward, what do you think his legacy is going to be? Um, it's it's got to be one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. I mean, it really does. Um, and one of the, the nicest men that you'll ever want to meet in the world. I mean, just so um, I think what people think of, 
uh, legacy, they're, they're going to think of a machine. Um, Kurt Engel was a machine. He was the one of the best technical workers ever invented. I mean, he was a literal machine. And I want to touch on one more thing. This is a really quick little story. And it just made me think back to that guy's question about having me end his match early. Uh, we were at lockdown. I don't remember the year, obviously, RJ, you know that. Uh, but uh, we were uh, at lockdown and Kurt didn't know this, but it was um, it was him against uh, Garrett Bischoff. And okay. we did not. I was told in my ear to tell Kurt to grab a hold. OK, um, and if you know Kurt, you don't tell Kurt to grab a hold, just like you don't tell him to end his match early. Um, now, he didn't know that there was a fight. There was a fight in the crowd. So we wanted him to grab a hold just so we could get that settled down and continue on with the match. But as soon as I told him to grab a hold, he asked me, who the fuck told you to tell me that? Now, I don't know that because it's in my ear, but I believe at the time it was Bruce Pritchard. Mm -hmm. But but I don't think, you know, Bruce wasn't telling him what, really what to do, but Kurt didn't take it that way. He told me and made me do it. He said, you take that earpiece and take it out of your fucking ear. Take it out of your ear. And I said, oh, well, I don't want to. He said, take it out of your ear. I'm telling you right now, take it out of your fucking ear. I said, okay. I took it out of my ear and I did that whole match with no time cues or nothing because he did not give a shit. He was so pissed. So that's why you would not want to shorten a Kurt Angle match. <laughs> yeah, you don't don't want to piss him off. That's your damn sure. Now I'm trying to look up that lockdown now, uh, that match that he had. I don't know. I'm trying to look at it, what it was. Man, it looks like probably late 2000s, mid 2000s there. Actually, it wasn't Garrett Bischoff. It was um, uh, Briscoe's boy, Wes. Oh, Wes Briscoe. Yeah. Well, I, I, I can see how you, I can see how you get the two of them uh, uh, mixed up. <laughs> but yeah. well, they were all in the eight, eight thing. That's that's why it threw me off. Uh, 2013. There we go. Sorry, if I gave you the right name, you could have figured it out a lot faster, right? Well, no, because I'm looking because I'm like. I'm, I'm seeing like a team angle lockdown from 2012. And then I'm seeing Tim T and I'm like, man, maybe is he the wrong, wrong guy or the right guy? I'm like, hey. yeah, no, no, my fault. My fault. <laughs> no, you're good. No, but, but next week, and speaking of right guys, uh, J E double F J A double R E double T. Ain't he great? Jeff Jarrett will be the topic next week. And uh, speaking of lockdown, we'll be going over the lockdown 2011 match he had with Kurt Angle this week uh excuse me Kurt Angle for next week but any kind of interesting stories going into it for next week Brian I cannot wait to talk about Double J uh yeah it's gonna be fun 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 um not a long time so we'll we'll dive into some stuff um I would love to see if we could get him as a guest um but we'll work on things we we may need to just do this now and slow it down and come back and touch on that again. But no, no, this is going to be great. This is going to be great. And, and Jeff is great. Yeah. So with that being said, thank you so much for tuning in this week. Hit us up on Twitter, Instagram at roughing it up. He is at baby Hebner. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. And we hope to see you next week here on roughing it up. One, two, three. <laughs>